you're in ambush with noobs. Dude, he just died. Half of them just died. I don't All right, I'm going to have to call order in the <laughs> clubhouse. Enough talk about Steely Dan and all of his affiliates. Uh, we're going to start up another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. I want to thank you all for attending. We are short a member tonight. It's quite strange. The tip of the spear is feeling a little dull out of town. Um, but I'm happy to say that we have uh, some of the gang here. Let's uh, pass it over to you. I am uh, Denim Smoking Beer. Smoking Dart. Sure. You got it? Smoke beer. That's a throwback if I've ever <laughs> heard one. And you have the Kiwi to Real consultant here, as always. I'm Chief Runs with Bins. To my right, as always, is... I am the Troop Scout leader, Lays with Beef. Uh, Dustin is my alias. Uh, I'm here to kind of guide our meeting. Uh, to start off, uh, I'd like to do the Straight Arrow Oath. We're all very familiar. Uh, hands over your heart. If you're in civilian clothes or in Powell River... <laughs> a three, three finger salute uh, And a straight arrow Tells the truth A straight arrow loves nature A straight arrow would rather die With a burger in his colon Than live to eat faux foo And a straight arrow is always Against Bill HR 57 which would allow the Importation of South American Propane Can I get a round table Wima Tanya Wima Tanya all right, let's, what is this? This is episode seven of season no, one? No, this is, well... Seven in our books, so because I, we're going by the DVDs for those following along with us. Sorry that we're uh, opposite of what IMDb says for a couple episodes. Well, we're going by the DVDs. Those are also the... Uh, I did I did a lot more research. I should have done this research before we even started. That's why we call you the historian. Yeah, you're right. I'm Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so what what we're we're actually going in order of production code. So Ugh. this is King of the Hills season one, episode eight, Hank's unmentionable problem. It was first aired on February twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. Um, I couldn't find the actual like the viewers, the numbers, but the um, but I did find out that NBC aired. A uh, fully uncensored version of Schindler's List. So, like the same night, the same night, sixty-five million people watched that. So, I don't know how many people were left to watch this. Have you seen Schindler's List? I actually haven't. You know what I had to do uh, for Mother's Day when I was like fifteen? What? I had to watch Schindler's List. Why? I was watching a lot of South Park and I was saying Jew a lot. <laughs> <laughs> When you were 15. Yeah, something like that. And, like, and my mom Julie was like, came down with a hammer. she was pissed off about it. So I just spent a whole Sunday in the basement with my sister and my mom watching that fucking long ass black and white movie, The Saddest Fuck. <laughs> Did it help at all? No. <laughs> Maybe for like that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I remember being 15. It was like every second word. Um, what I uh, noticed doing the research on this. I'm not done. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. The episode was written by series creator Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. And this is the only other episode that they uh, penned themselves for this season. Hmm. It was because of the uh, the break in when they, they, they had the original six episodes written before they had the, uh, the actual, like, job. Right. So as, like, a test. So it was, like, once the writer room for King of the Hill started... This was the first one that they like worked on, okay. so they just picked this one up, and it actually, 
um, Greg Daniels, his father, like this is based off of his father's life. And uh, he had he I, he did the commentary for this episode. It was it's actually pretty good. I learned a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> um, but it was also it was directed by Adam Coleman. He's a longtime King of the Hill director. He's got nine credits under his belt for King of the Hill. It was his only official job as director, but he was various other positions in animation departments for The Simpsons and The Simpsons Movie, as well as Fern Gully and just a million other credits. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I was What I was going to touch on was that I did also notice right away that it was written by Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. And um, it's interesting you say that because my first assumption would be like, Mike Judge must have had this story in his head since he decided to take Mr. Anderson to Hank Hill, right? But I guess it came from Greg Daniels. Maybe that was why they, like, a reason they fused so well together. And For sure, yeah. You know. Like, just listening to him in the, in the commentary, I like him a lot. Like, I mean, when I go into King of the Hill, I know it's Mike Judge. Like, I have a, yeah. I have a pre- I'm pretty familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of put it all on Mike judge's shoulders but like listening to greg daniels talk about it i have just it sounds weird to say i have more respect for him yeah but i think i just have more understanding of who he is i'm absolutely the same way because we all know what mike judge is like in his humor and if i have my opinion if greg daniels didn't come along i don't think king of the hill would have been longer than maybe three seasons well no i mean greg daniels you know like yeah granted that was his first one but but i think he really developed the show he knew what he was doing yeah he's he he was at the simpsons before right so he yeah he came from any show i like he's been like the driving factor in it yeah like it's it's crazy i want this guy in the clubhouse (laughs) yeah well he's an honorary member yeah Yeah, i'll see what i can do to get him in here like i said not a lot of people answer my emails (laughs) we'll even call him chief (laughs) chief running show chief running show (laughs) so the, the outline for this episode is Hank's very embarrassed and introverted about his constipation. And it certainly doesn't help his condition with Peggy telling all of her friends, making Hank go to a proctologist and treating him like a child over it. All of her friends, her one friend that's forced to be friends with her because they're neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is just, it's just so funny because this episode, they don't even like beat around the bush for a second. Like the first scene, it's Hank coming out of the bathroom and he doesn't flush the toilet. And that he can't even say the word constipation. It's like, his unmentionable problem. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's not until, like, there's seven minutes left in the episode or whenever they go visit the doctor is when it actually gets said. <laughs> I, I I also noticed that, too, how quick they brought up the conflict. Like, because obviously I can see the episode title, so I'm like, okay, what's Hank's unmentionable problem? And right away, it's just... It's just delivered. It does. It does. It does sound like it had it. This, this episode had something to get to. Like this, right from the start, this episode is full of story. Like especially for Hank. I mean, we're gonna get into it, but um, just his the way he gets like defeated throughout this episode. Right. I think it really like is like a really good character arc. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what I liked about this episode and what I like about what the King of Hills writers do is that there's an episode in the early seasons that has relevance to an episode in a later season, especially this one. I can't remember what season it is. Um, it's this one. Is it? Yeah, it's the, It's like that. It's. I think it's not the next. It's two episodes from now. Is what episode? Peggy Boggle Champ? No, it's not that one. Oh, well, it's you know um, it's Peggy. I think Peggy's doing art or something like that, and they get an invitation to this great big art exhibit in a. 
in Dallas. Actually, Hank gets the letter, and Hank, for some reason, assumes it's his high school football picture <laughs> that's going up in this museum, and he goes there, he puts his shirt and tie on, and him and Peggy drive to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they get there, and it's the x-ray of his, like, completely bloated stomach full of beef, and beside it is, like, a starving Ethiopian child. <laughs> yes. I like um, that they, like, for the for people that are really into the show, they there's these things that you can pick up on that I, I like that that's continuing of the universe actually greg daniels touched on that in the commentary he mentioned that uh he was really because i like i was saying the boggle champ i thought that's what you're picking up on because yeah in the later episode they have peggy uh is like the whole episode's based around peggy playing boggle yeah. but yeah in this episode you can see her playing boggle in the very first scene it's the very first screen scene there's no by the way there's no cold open yeah i, I noticed that right away when yeah. i was doing the uh the clips but uh it's funny because I noticed that too because I'm I haven't seen much King of the Hill but I do remember out of maybe the handful of episodes I've seen the first one was Peggy Bogglechamp so it was just like <laughs> well yeah I knew Peggy I knew Boggle and and, and then of course it's just like I see it I'm just like yeah there it is like <laughs> fuck yeah Peggy loves Boggle well yeah Daniels was saying that um, they were able to go back because of the because they had the other six so now they were all in the writers room he said that because they had so much like time. And they could go back. They actually, like, purposefully put in other things to make way for the episodes coming. Got you. So they kind of just, like, did a little comb through and added foreshadowing, basically. I think that's great. I think that oh, no, that's a smart like that, editing that, move. It's like, things like that that is. give shows, like, like, this could be a show like Family Guy, say, where it's like you hit a reset button at the end of every episode. It's the same family in the same scenario in the same position they were the, the episode before, and you know nothing more about their character characters going forward. So it's it's nice that this show you don't need to pick up on that, but the fact that like if you watch this show as much as like say we have, then you do pick up on stuff. No doubt, like especially if you're like looking for it, it's yeah. like it's there, it's there to be picked up on. And the, what I've noticed is they're very precise about it. I think this goes back to them being an animated show, but making it as realistic as possible. There's only a few times I know in King of the Hill where there's kind of been, like, like say, characters that essentially don't exist the next time in the next episode. And, like, one is Peggy having a brother, things like that. But that, that like, one thing that would bother me about other shows, it's like, well, what happened about him? Like, they just completely glaze over and, oh, and rewrite it to them, that character not existing anymore. It's and, just, like... They just don't really mm-hmm. I find that it's 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 sort of as a as a fan of the show, I feel like I'm putting more into this than they are. Right. I say that about a lot of stuff. Like that's kind of my barometer of if I like something, is if it Yeah. It it I they have to be putting in as much mm-hmm. attention as I have. Mm-hmm. And I like I think um Maybe Greg Daniels and Mike Judge had like maybe access of confidence in themselves at this point in their careers because uh, doing the history of King of the Hill, that documentary you can watch, they talk about how they had to write the entire first season like before it, any of it got animated, before they knew what it was going to look like. So it's only episode whatever one this is, only halfway through the first season, and they're already basically laying out foundations for storylines for excess over 10 seasons, which well, is which is pretty to cool. What, uh, Dustin was talking about last episode with the uh, do's and don'ts, the, mm. the of animation, the 60 do's and don'ts. 
So I actually popped in disc two and finally decided to look <laughs> at the special features this time, and I saw it in there. I did the same. You did Dang, too. So yeah. I, I looked through it. Yeah. <laughs> like, where do you find this fucking thing? Yeah, it's it's, like, it's oh, great. I'd love to see that's right there in the yeah. DVD. <laughs> I just didn't look for it. Yeah, but yeah, so I saw it, and I actually saw the animation cells that they were, that they they drew for it, and it does kind of like. It's a show that knows its humor. It's a show that's in t- that's so self-aware of every minute detail that, like, I mean, only The Simpsons, I think, could is the only other show I could think of that, like, not even South Park. As much as I love South Park, they mm-hmm. don't. They're kind of all over the place, but as they should be. Yeah, and I feel like because they write with like those restraints it like really flexes their creative capacity right because they have to play within these limits well you're and like you know kind of make your way through like using creative means like it's fantastic yeah it's it's great because yeah exactly what you're saying is like maybe a traditional animation animated show gives the writers this freedom to make it unrealistic and do whatever the hell they want essentially and have like kind of scapegoats maybe in 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 plot lines but king of the hill is a, a sitcom that's animated so they've yeah i hear what you're saying in, in fact i know that simpsons when they i've watched commentaries on those dvds and i know that they say it's like a it's kind of like their their thing to make the show animated which Again, like, it was the first one that kind of was doing this. So it was like, why can't this just be a regular live-action sitcom? So The Simpsons made a point of every episode having a part of it that was expected to be over the top, that needed to be animated. Like, an excuse to mean that to for the executives that this couldn't just be a live-action sitcom that well, could have just got washed and forgotten. Like when Homer jumps Death, Death Valley? Is it what's that, But that's way later. I'm thinking more like... That's just an example that come came to my mind. Yeah. Just because, like, they do do that I was work. thinking, like, the Marge drunk in season one uh, at, at, at Burns's thing. The, the, the barbecue. For the the barbecue, yeah, where she, drinks, where she drinks the wine and dances right. and stuff. And, like, yeah. they really had to go over the top, and they were reaching for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas King of the Hill was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. King of the Hill could come into the market essentially with whatever they wanted. The reason The Simpsons started was the, like the punk rock version of what was on TV at that time, which exactly. was like the Cosby Show and like good wholehearted family shows. And they're like, no, we're gonna show you what it's fucking really like, and we're gonna make it animated just to be that much different. It's cool. It's like it's like they took Simpsons and just like went like a ninety degree turn mm-hmm. into like realism, where they stopped short of casting real stars and buying real cameras. Like, yeah, it's I think it's brilliant. I love it. Mm-hmm. Also, I learned fun f- just a, just an off-topic fun fact. Uh, Mark Hamill read for for Hank. Really? Yeah. Huh. I guess Mike was kind of like I can't picture that at all. Well, except he is a really good voice actor. He does the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really good. Uh, yeah, he is uh, voice actor. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, I guess like Mike was super hesitant, and like kind of didn't think he was good enough. But Greg Daniels is actually the reason that uh, that he agreed. That's funny because Mike Judge is like you know this like huge, powerful you know celebrity, but he seems like the most normal guy ever. So I could yeah. imagine him being like, "Well, I don't know if this is funny or not," and yeah. then someone else having to be like, "No, dude, like you're fucking here for a reason. Like do your do your thing." But again, this was '97, so really all he had under his belt was very successful Beavis and Butthead. But right. But still, Beavis and Butthead, I think, was a little bit lower of the quality that he was aiming for in this show. So I yeah. think he was kind of like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I was good enough for Beavis and Butthead. 
I mean, Greg, that's what Greg Daniels said uh, in the commentary. So, but yeah, he, it's another reason that he's just killing it in this show. Yeah. So should we, uh, let's dive into it, shall we? We shall. So as we just touched on the first scene, we see Peggy playing Boggle, which seems like an insignificant thing, but it actually becomes a huge plot line for like a while in this show. And like, it's kind of funny in the early episodes, but like the most annoying game ever played by the most annoying <laughs> character ever. Like, It's not a fun game. No, it's... I, uh, dude, I have it upstairs. We could have like, a game after screw this. Screw you guys. I like Boggle. Like, <laughs> I don't care what you say. I remember there was that game. There was that other game where Play with you... with Mom and Doris. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. This old lady game. <laughs> we also played Scrabble. Yeah. Spelling. So what if I like old lady games? Crib is great. Fuck you. I've never played that. Yeah, well... I'll skunk any day, bitch. <laughs> Speaking of Peggy, she takes ten teaspoons of Metamucil. I know. Uh, like, sorry, like she said Megamucil. Oh, sorry. We don't want to get sued. I yeah, I because like I typed in Megamucil and I was like, is that what it's called? I don't think that's what it's called. And like, but uh, I looked it up. It's three to six is like the healthy dose, like six max. So. And what does it do? It's for. Yeah, it's for oh. constipation is its first, like, you know, relief. And then the other one is when you have high cholesterol. It, it helps. Oh, I probably have that. Yeah, you, should, you might have to look into some Megamucil. Me- have to order it specially from Ireland. Another thing we see in this first scene is Peggy asking Luann about how her, uh, her exam went at the beauty salon. <laughs> Which goes back to what I touched on last episode is that Luann's saga, we were all kind of a little sick of Luann, but when she's just like Whoa, this. T- speak for yourself. Okay, well, I thought that. Yeah, and I'm on your side with that one. I mean, like, Luann is great as a bit character. Yeah, I, I love like her. her coming in a couple times an episode and dropping these bombs, which are fucking hilarious. Oh, how did the big shampooing final go? Well, I passed leather, but I failed rinse, and then I failed repeat too, because it includes rinse. Which I don't think is very fair. I'm on the school board side with this one. Like, sorry, Luann, you gotta learn. <laughs> None of us are training to be fucking hairstylists, and like, it's on the shampoo bottle. You gotta rinse the shit out. And then repeat. And like, I, I mean, I'm in school. She it has a. Sh- a sh- it was a shampooing exam. Yeah, and she has a lot more exams than I have. She has an exam every week. It seems braiding exam, shampooing exam. Well, I mean, hairdressing is considered a trade at the school. I guess. And I took a trade at the school and you do uh it's not so when you take a trade program you do it is divided up in like so every two weeks is a course so i actually took 10 courses in automotive but i really just took one and Mm. it counts as first year so there's a bunch of exams at the end of each section so it's like this two weeks you're you're on this course Mm. and there's a like quote unquote final exam at the end of that two oh, okay. weeks. Okay, I misunderstand. Yeah, that's how. Sorry, the sorry, Luann. At least that's how I the didn't... trades worked when I worked. When I was there. Yeah, Luann's saga is a sad one. And speaking of sad. Oh, I it happens to everyone now and then. There's no reason to be embarrassed. Maybe I'm not the one who should be embarrassed. Did you ever think of that? Maybe you're going a little too much. Once every four or five days gives me more free time. <laughs> He's just 
trying to validate his like potentially serious illness by making Bill feel even lazier and shittier about himself. I love that. Yeah, I love that he justifies like not pooping as having more free time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he would have said that to Bill or no, sorry, Dale or Boomhauer. But he's just him and Bill. He can just be like, shut up. Like it's yeah. just like put him in his place. And I don't think that like excuse actually adds up because if you're only pooping once every four to five days, like how long is that poop? Because like you're not actually saving that much time. And also, is that not a weirdly long time to go without pooping? I don't. I mean, I don't know about you I guys. I rarely go four to five hours without pooping. <laughs> I got I got like scheduled meetings with that porcelain queen, you know. Well, this is when Hank says this. He's at four days without making, so he's <laughs> he throws in that four or five days to just assume and maybe m- make himself feel better that he'll go tomorrow without making bears. Yeah, and and this I learned a new term this episode. You should eat those, Dad. They help you make. Excuse me. <laughs> like, I never, I've never heard it been called making. Oh, <laughs> and I was say no. Everybody knows brand muffins are like. Oh yeah, no. Okay. You eat, you see somebody eating a brand muffin, you're just like couple hours buddy but uh you see somebody eating a bran muffin you're like that wasn't your first choice <laughs> like that sucks they dude. ate the rest of them in the box hey it's either your doctor or someone forcing you to do it like there's no way somebody's choosing a brand so you I like- have a lot of fun in your life yeah. <laughs> you're eating bran muffins by choice i like what dale's dale pops over and suggests have you tried squatting it takes pressure off the lower body the squatty potty. This has been a hot topic in our household. Oh yeah, the we, uh, the commercial. All day we spoke about the squatty potty, <laughs> and he and Dale's not wrong. So Hank's just kind of sitting on the john, staring around his backyard, looking at a bunch of stuff, and then he sees Bobby shining a light up a squirrel's butt. <laughs> And he's, and he's having a hard time trying to make. Uh, I noticed, I, I learned something interesting about the music, because I've, I've, we've talked in the last ev- few episodes about how much we really like the music, just mm-hmm. the idle background music in the show. And it's kind of hard to find like proper information about who does all the music in each episode and so on and so forth. But I did find out from Greg Daniels in the... Uh, in the commentary, Dustin, do you have that... Uh, that track queued up? Oh, absolutely. So one of the members of Steely Dan. What? Yeah. His name like is... The, the Steely Dan? Steely Dan. No. Yeah. So get this, get this, get this. His name is Jeff Skunk Baxter. He's, no. Oh, yeah. Skunk. Yeah. No, so he's like... I don't is that know, in brackets? Like, is that in finger quotes? It's in, it's yeah, in quotes, air quotes. Yeah, mom. it's... Yeah, you're not... It's, <laughs> it, oh, it's his nickname. He got... Oh, I've, I read so much about him, and the guy's just blows my mind. So, not only was he in Steely Dan from 1972 to 1974, including the recording of this song, he was also in... The Doobie Brothers. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. When Steely Dan quit touring and wanted to focus just on recording, he said, I'm out. I'm going to hang with the Doobies. <laughs> yes. Fuck yeah. Dude, this guy rules. You see a picture of him. He's got like long, straight hair, like a big beard, and he just looks like you want him to look like. So, what did he do? So. 
I'm not really even sure. I guess he was like a music quote unquote music consultant. So he just hung out with the guys so they I were guess recording. He just hung out was like, hey, we should play it like this. Uh, I'm not really sure. But but Greg Daniels says that like this guy was just bouncing all I can't over the hear studio. The Doobie Brothers there, sir. <laughs> said he was just bouncing all over the place, just talking crazy stuff. Like they said this guy was nuts. Like they just gave him like a whatever position because like he was making music, but he wasn't in charge of it. He was just sort of around and writing it, I guess. By the sounds of it, the research I've tried to do on the music uh, portion of this show is pretty, like, pretty hit and miss. Like, it's not well recorded. And I think this is a part of the reason why. <laughs> like, I think, like, they just had people like this. So I guess around the lunch table, he was saying he was part of the U.S. Navy, like a special team of the U.S. Navy. Skunk was saying this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so his p official title is he's he's congressional advise he's sorry he's the chairman of a congressional advisory board on missile defense that's his current position like actually like, yes like defense with missiles or defending missiles incoming good question right Not sure missile yeah. defense means i think that, that sounds like jobs? but this is this is current as of right now like this crusty old hippie that was wow. rocking in 72 <laughs> with steely dan it was present at this time in like 1997 okay, but he's 69 today i bet he's retired okay uh, yeah 69 isn't that, <laughs> isn't that insane That's that he's just so like badass. so you go to his wikipedia page and it's just like it's like you go to his like professional credits it'll be like musician composer missile defense <laughs> <laughs> like or yeah it's like what where is uh where's the skunk from oh. so no steely dan's like new york um, and I'm assuming the Doobie Brothers are somewhere in the Duddy South. And well, he no, but you see, the thing is, like, he was already in Steely Dan before the Doobies. Gotcha. So, like, he was in. Sorry, he was born in Washington D.C. Okay. So I imagine maybe he had some kind of like uh, military or uh, government. He sort of describes himself as like a preppy. Uh, he went to university and studied studied journalism. And just kind of like jammed around local. He plays uh, the guitar, and he's like, I guess he's pretty famous for his pedal steel guitar. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but they're like pretty awesome and like a big old machine. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, he here his occupations: musician, songwriter, producer, military advisor. <laughs> like, what? Like, nice. yeah. So he was in. Oh. This is even, okay, so not just that before he was in Steely Dan, I guess so the way he got into the music scene was he just was like hanging out with Jimi Hendrix and started, a, one does. <laughs> started a band with Jimi Hendrix called Jimi James and the Blue Flames, which is just a ripoff of uh, James Brown and the Famous Flames. Right. But it's, yeah, it's... Uh, Jim, Jim, he was in a band with Jimi Hendrix, then he was in Steely Dan, and then he was in the Doobie <laughs> Brothers, then he did music for King of the Hill, and now he does missile defense. So like, this is the coolest guy we, nobody knows about. Right? Like, <laughs> like, and he's just, everybody just goes around calling him skunk. Like, Yeah, you could say that his career took off. Oh. But yeah, it was just, he said that the, the reason for the nickname has become is a secret. 
Yeah, I mean, this dude rules. I Like, this guy, he can be in our clubhouse. That's pretty badass, right? So he's born in 1948. That means he's 24 when he joined Steely Dan. Jeans. Uh, well, I don't know when he joined. But that's when he yeah. is. But that's, that's pretty cool. So before that, he's with Jimi Hendrix. So he's he like a late teenager rocking out with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. They were in California. Just like went to, I guess he moved down there. He went to, sorry. He was in, yeah, it was in California. And then... He moved to Boston to go to school. That's badass. I bet we could get him in the clubhouse. <laughs> it seems like he'd be down. Such good music. Anyway, at this point in the episode, we uh, find Peggy in bed having a terrible nightmare because she is starting to really legitly worry about Hank's well-being because Nancy... Uh, alluded to him that maybe it's a more serious problem. Peggy is rolling around in bed having this nightmare where it's Hank's funeral and that he basically died because he was too stubborn to go to a doctor. And I'm going to interrupt you because, like, the scene opens with them carrying the casket, casket correct? Yeah. Did, did anybody catch that one hilarious little bit where the casket yeah, is carrying cotton? He can't touch the ground, so the guys are just carrying him and he's hanging on for dear life. Yeah. I love that that's oh. in Peggy's dream. Yeah. So we see, uh, you know, they're traumatized. They're super sad. They're burying Hank, essentially. And Dale goes, It should have been Bill. <laughs> and nobody says anything about it. They're all just silently agreeing. <laughs> yeah, because they all have their own fucking grievances. But I don't know if you guys noticed, but the head shape of Dale. Can we just talk about that for just a second? Without a hat on? The shape of his head without a hat on. Because A, it's ridiculous. It's the most worst egghead I've ever seen. And also, they animate a little dent in the back of his head where the back of his hat would be. <laughs> and at the front. Like, you can notice it. Like, I paused. I was like, there, a hat should be there. Like, they literally just erased it and kept the indent. It was great. I like it. So we, uh, so now Peggy wakes up and she just Convinces Hank to finally go see, go to the clinic. Yeah, for his blown out knee from touch football. <laughs> yeah, which he tells his third grade teacher. <laughs> this is an old person's doctor. Well, Hank hasn't been able to take a it. walk. <laughs> I threw my knee out playing touch football. <laughs> Such a classic Hank excuse. Like, goes right to football every time. Like, this 95 year old woman gives a shit. <laughs> No, she called him Little Hanky Hill. <laughs> like, she doesn't know where she is. Yeah, it's it's so funny because he's just way too embarrassed about it. Like, he can't even write on the form properly. I imagine just his shaky printing where he can't even write. Mr. Hill, I'm sorry, sir. I cannot read this. What does it say? Con? Contact? Contact? <clears throat> con what? Uh, this woman just has to be that bad at her job. Either that, she's just having a really bad, shitty long day. But like, traditionally, when you go to the doctor about anything, it can be as discreet as you want it to be. Like, nobody says anything about it. She is hollering at him through the entire waiting room, asking him what is his actual <laughs> what's, condition. Yeah, what's your ailment? Yeah. Like, uh... I've been in the pharmacy before where it's just like, the lady in front of me, I'm just like, I can hear what she's talking about. And I'm just like, I hear nothing. Like, <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that's for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not it's looking like, so, you in the eyes. So everybody's in the same position as Hank. Nobody wants to be there or remember their time there. Oh, no doubt. So eventually he gets into the into the doctor's office. I really like this. The Of course, the doctor's an idiot. Well, he's so condescending, oh right? Like, I, Doctors always refer to their patients. Patients and themselves in a sentence. It's always we. 
No, how are we feeling today? <laughs> like, I, oh. Shut up. Yeah. Terrible. That's why I'm fucking here. <laughs> so then we go into the doctor's office. Hank's having a hard time taking off his clothes. He's just really, he's having, this is out of his element. He's not doing well. And you just see as this scene goes on, as that young med student walks in. And she's about as hot. As an animated character could be. She even, yeah. like, flicks her hair back and blinks at Hank. If you well, it's a funny story. Um, so, I guess when Greg Daniels, when he pitched this episode originally, it was because they already had six episodes written. And then the lady at the Fox executive office, she was like, well, what else do you have? Like, what other episodes kind of, what kind of other crazy adventures do these people go on? And he said, well, uh... He can't poop, and it's the worst thing for him because he just cannot talk about it. And she thought that was hilarious. And so that was just because that was something that happened to his father. And so then when she insisted they write an episode based off that, his father insisted only one joke for the entire episode. And that was because it apparently happened to him. Was that a young, hot med school student just had to observe the probing of the uh, camera. And then I'm assuming the writer staff added that Bobby also <laughs> took, <laughs> took audience for this, like, this is, feat. This is slightly before like the next you know scene where everyone Bobby comes in. But, like, there's no way that door's not locked. There's this patient just with his ass hanging out, bent over the fucking the chair. Bobby just walked in, you know. I thought that was funny. Yeah, they're not much for uh, privacy at this hospital, or I guess this elderly clinic. Yeah, <laughs> in fact, the doctor encourages it. Yeah, exactly. He sees Bobby's like, oh, come on in. Do you like video games? Wow! What are they doing to you? Bobby, get out of here. No, Mr. Hill. When a family faces an illness, all members should be involved. Remember, they're your get well team. Like, and he calls Hank his grandfather as well. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good burn. So, the, just to further prove the doctor's stupidity, he tells Bobby, and Bobby believes him. You know, Bobby... <laughs> If I were to take your grandfather's intestine... I'm his father. Your father's <laughs> intestine and lay it out in a straight line, it would go all the way around the earth. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Like, no, it's 100% not true. Yeah, there. that's not true at all. 100% no. not true. That is so far It's not even close. And it's yeah. like... It might, it, might, it might reach from me to the wall. Like, maybe. Yeah, there's no way that that's getting out this door. It's inside of you. There's not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just like typical Hank having a bad day, it gets worse, and he gets the worst secretary he could ever have at the hospital, and like the most idiotic doctor in Ireland, right? His third grade teacher goes, Hanky, what are you doing here? This is an old man's doctor, so maybe this doctor can let that shit slide when he's dealing with like the most elderly people in Texas. Do they really just give old people bad doctors? I hope not. I mean, like, probably. You'd think so, right? I'd hope not. Well, of course not, but like they're the ones. I I don't want to get into this. <laughs> this is gonna show my morbid side, and I I don't want to let that out just yet. Fair enough, but this guy shouldn't be a doctor anywhere. <laughs> no, like they have to pay for that shit. They don't go free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah America, exactly. like America, good doctors in Canada go to America because they can make money. Yeah, exactly. Like I guess I'm just biased for my country, but. Uh, 
it's funny how stressed out that Hank gets from this uh, from this nurse and this whole interaction. And then, like you mentioned earlier, how Bobby likes it. And then <laughs> when Bobby uh, finds a new career path. Hey, I like this. Can I be a proctologist when I grow up? Um, Mr. Hill, I'm going to have to ask you to relax your buttocks for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Just clenching at the thought. Like as if Bobby's ever capable of being a proctologist, but the th yeah, the thought of it just Dude, makes. If this idiot could do it, Bobby's in. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh no doubt, right? But one of my favorite lines to say, um, especially at work, I work uh, at a place where we have to like. We estimate numbers a lot of, like, units, so it's like, well, I don't know, how many's in this tank? And you just say, I don't know, 60. 60 seems to be my, like, usual guess, and there's a reason for that. But I was sitting at a bus stop with a good friend of mine, Nathan. You One day, you, you'll, you'll meet him soon. We're sitting there, and just there was a lull in our conversation, and he awkwardly looks over at the building that's beside us, and... Says, how many pigeons do you think are on that? I said, I don't know. He's like, I'll bet there's 60. <laughs> yep, 60. <laughs> and then like it was, and so I just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. So I say it at work all the time. And it wasn't until like a few years later I was just rewatching King of the Hill. How many do you think there are in there? I'll bet 30. <laughs> yep. <sighs> 30. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the best. I love it. And that, that quote, uh, it comes from Hank sitting in the doctor's office with his wife of like 20 years, Peggy, and he's so uncomfortable being in his boxer shorts <laughs> and a shirt and socks around her that that's the small talk he's making. Yeah, I, like when I watched the scene, I really wondered. I was like, how did Bobby get made? Like Hank is, <laughs> well, Hank is no smooth criminal. I have read a very interesting theory that Bill that Bill is the father of Bobby oh my god a lot of people talk about that like, online I don't mean like I, a lot of people like around the water cooler but I've seen yeah, that theory before I've seen that half a dozen times and I and I, I read it and I looked into it and I, and then since I've been watching I've, I've been I've been thinking about it and what was it so but then they also say cotton is the father of Bill. Really? So wait, does that make Hank... Or is that it? Hank and Bill brothers? So Hank is raising his nephew? Is this the logic? The most I know about that theory is that... Because that's why, like, Bill is so in love with Peggy and she is so standoffish towards him that potentially back in the day, Bill was cool. He was, you know, he was the touch all time touchdown leader for Arlen High and stuff like that. And he was he was in shape and he had hair. He was in the military before. Yeah. Just before he joined the army, I think. And a lot of people, I think what they were what they were theorizing is that the reason that Peggy is just doesn't even have the slightest time of day for Bill is that there actually might have been something back in the day. Yeah. Well, what I read was like that it, that Peggy. um because of Hank's narrow urethra, he really couldn't have a son. And then Peggy hooked up with Bill and got pregnant. And I guess Hank doesn't know, but everybody else knows. But because Bill is in no state to be a father, and Hank just wants to be a father and couldn't be. So they kind of let him have it. 
and I, I can't remember. There was a connection with Cotton. I'll have to do some research, maybe for this next episode. But that's like a really interesting theory. Like it really makes me want to pay attention to like Peggy and Bill and their interactions because there's not that many. No, and and. and Bill does kind of have yet. like a Moses is like Marge Simpson kind of obsession going on. Oh, no doubt. Like I have noticed that Bill is really into Peggy. Like, do you remember when they danced together? Like he was sweating bricks. Exactly. I don't know if he'd probably sweat bricks with any woman. No. Just knowing probably. or any physical activity, but, it, but, but still. But no, he is. It is known that like he is pretty obvious about how much he is into Peggy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it definitely shows. And like, don't get me wrong for a second. I don't believe this theory. I don't think there's any way it could be possible, but I love, like, there is some, not concrete evidence, but there is some things that would point you towards that in the direction. I like, I, the, I like the idea of talking about it, like the idea of people talking about it, and there is, like, a lot of things that make sense about it, but at the end of the day, I don't believe it's... I like the idea, and I think if I was to be working in a writer's room in television, I think this is the sort of opportunity you would take to never disprove it, but continuously throw clues in. So you always sort of ha sort of can think about it. I feel like the people who made this show took the time to think that and like and to do just to throw in those extra little bits here and there and to never fully disprove it. It's like I don't know if you guys They're toying with the forums kind of, do you yeah. like that kind of thing? Well, it's like Blade Runner. It's like everybody says something different, but like the ending's kind of whatever you want it to be, man. So you know like if that storyline with Bill and Peggy, Peggy floats your boat, believe it. And you, there's no harm, no foul. Yeah, like, I'm a big fan of fan theories. Like, I yeah. love reading up on them because it's just, like, somebody had to connect these dots and, like, put in the work. And, like, I respect that. And I will totally hold it as plausible. I do, uh, after a certain while, I kind of think either... I'm kind of convinced after I read further into it that it is either... Uh, they They went into it thinking they would set that up or once people saw it set up that they just ran with it. God, yeah, they kind of just like, oh yeah, we meant to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask what your thoughts on that were. I, my assumption is that maybe the writers did kind of, you know, toy with this and maybe in some point in the series, maybe not, not since you're running out of ideas, but maybe had like an end date for the show all of a sudden, like maybe it was always in their back pocket. Like if the show potentially maybe went south not even necessarily goes south but like just goes a different direction that's a plot line that they could always pull out of their pockets I'm, I'm i'm glad that they didn't i'm sure it would be essentially like the dale john redcorn joseph nancy thing where like everybody knows about it but it doesn't break the people's hearts that are directly connected with it but again i think uh the thing i read said that that was in line with that where so they have that one up front so we're laughing at that scenario as with hank right when there's this other one behind him that he doesn't that he's see oblivious to. so like he's just as oblivious as dale and that's the joke that's another joke i mean again that's deep yeah, that's this, layered this onion is getting yeah. peeled i tell so, you what ca canonically uh i don't believe that's a ten dollar word that's a ten miles do you know what that one means I know you're better than me. <laughs> All right. I know you got four university credits now, and you can throw these words in my That's truck driving face. That's one class. <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but I need a beer.
So throughout this scene, Hank just gets broken down and defeated. And he comes to accept that he needs to begrudgingly accept that he needs to change his diet and eat healthier. So oh. Peggy takes him on a little trip to the local quote unquote Whole Foods. Yeah, health food store. Health food kind. store. Yeah. It's the uh the co- uncopywritten version. And Hank just he he despises this place. Oh man, like if Hank is this like worried about seeing a doctor can you imagine him in the late 90s in southern Texas going to a health food store? Like, he'd probably rather bite a bullet than he see. Like, he, I hope none of my friends see me. Like, <laughs> oh, man. the uh, I like the, the cashier, the clerk behind the counter, though. He's, he's awesome. Do you have anything that tastes good? Hmm. Uh, no. I love it when they're trying to sell him the faux food because he's intolerant to tofu. <laughs> That's like another layer that I didn't that even thought of. Layer, I love it. It's. it's- of like that hippie spiritual Indian music that's like playing in the background. <laughs> like Hank could not hate this guy any less before meeting him. Yeah. Before he spoke. And I think this is like our maybe I think our second appearance of Luann in the episode where she suggests that he goes to Mock Sebastian. <laughs> like I looked at it, like I don't think it's exactly acupuncture setting it on fire. I watched a video of it and it was like holding a really thick incense stick close to the skin to like stimulate it blah 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 and apparently just a little fun fact when a woman is pregnant and her uh, baby is like turned the wrong way during pregnancy if you do that to their pinky toe it like 70% chance it'll reverse itself Get no problem. Here. that's what a New York licensed doctor that's says. magic yeah so magic. Uh, fun fact about mock Sebastian mock Sebastian yes I like how Hank was so against it, and he was like, if someone does that to me, I'll kick their ass. And then there's like a, just a short clip of that guy lighting the knee, and Hank literally just boots him in the <laughs> yeah. ass. I, I laughed so hard when I saw that. Like, I'm just praying that there's a callback to Mr. Lee sometime in the future. Just like, just I hope to see it somewhere. I'm going to watch out for it. Mike Judge, I'm counting on you. We cut to Hank watching football. Oh, man, he's getting right into <laughs> and it, he's too. Just like, no, watch out behind you. No. Oh, God, Gatorade all down his back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's sympathizing right with the coach. <laughs> That's what he's focused on. Like, oh, that guy's new shirt. It's <laughs> so good. It's so Hank. It's so awesome. Oh, it's the greatest. So, Dustin, you being the only real football player in the room, and the show heavily relates to football. In your uh, illustrious career, did you ever dump Gatorade on anyone at any one time? Uh, yes, we actually won a provincial championship, and we dumped Gatorade on our coach Nate Stevenson. Round of applause. I was there. So. Coach Nate. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Roll green. And I ain't taking about 420. <laughs> I, that was the greatest thing he ever said. It was our catchphrase, roll green, because yeah. <laughs> oh, my dad's only tweet. That, hilarious. Yeah, that was, a, that was a proud day at, our, at the wall residence. Yes, no The picture no doubt. is still on the wall. Yeah, there's a sh- bit of a shrine, I guess you could call it. Uh, for this show being an American show, potentially any of our listeners may be an American. Uh, that's equivalent to winning the state 
championship. It is, yeah. Also, Dustin's underplaying this here. Uh, I want you all to know that the star running back on his team. So he was. So how does it work? He was the older of the two. Explain this. Uh, uh, juniors. What, which part do you want to know? Are you talking about me? Was or are you talking Brody? about Brody? No. So what? So or it Jacob. was kind of the seniors had the. So I was. Positions. Yeah, I was the uh, the younger because it goes in our senior year. It's 11s, 12s, and I was the 11. So I was obviously the sub for the main running back, second string, right? Um, and both of them got injured. So it was like the in last like the first quarter. Yeah. So it was basically like, all right, it's your, and, you gotta and, do and it. And they're in, they're in high school, so they can't throw. Yeah. So it's all running game. Yeah. Th- literally like coach, like our coach was like three yards every play. And that's all I want. Four yards is great. Like and MVP right here. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We'll put your picture next to Hank's. And look where it led you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here Hank now, got. living the dream. Yeah, I still polish my trophy every day. It's funny because Hank was the running back for the uh, Tom Landry Longhorn, or no, sorry, that's middle school, for the Strickland High School football team. But, fun fact, that whenever they were on in the red zone or, you know, 10 yards to the goal line, Bill Dotrieve would come out of the offensive line and basically just play a fullback. He was the short yard rusher. So that's why Bill, that's why Hank has the all-time yards rushing, but that's why Bill has the touchdown record. And who was the quarterback? Oh, it's got to be, no, it's Boomhauer. It's Boomhauer. Of course it is. Of Of course. course, Of course. course. And Dale was Dale. Dale was the town manager. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, town manager, eat shit and die. Signed to everyone. (laughs) Oh, my God. Boomhauer. I can just imagine him calling him audible. Omaha 120 on 9911. I'm so glad you say that because you could literally see all the linebackers and DN's faces like just look at each other. Like, what does he say? He goes, Dang, oh, Bill's out Hank, man, because Hank, <laughs> Hank and Bill switch spots, essentially, and there goes, Bill like... Hank are the only ones that can he understand him. Yeah, That's why they did so good. Yeah, oh, it was... That dynamic between the guys in the alley and their, like, illustrious high school sports careers is just, like, one of my favorite parts I of the show. I love that they just never moved away from like, each other. Like, they always just... They just... I imagine they all, like, were like, oh, there's new areas going in. Let's all buy new houses in this neighborhood. Oh, no doubt. And, like, I'm so happy to have somebody like Miles on the show to actually, like, point that shit out because I would never know that. Like, I'm no, yeah. not that versed. Like, that is so... Like, and it's so true, though, because, like, <laughs> that's exactly who they are, and that's, like, they're tied into each other, and it's fucking perfect. Like, it's great. And, uh, opposites of your uh, heroic tail dustin the graduating class of arlen high in that year i think it was like the late 70s or something like that hank's ankle snapped on the one yard line in the state championship and they lost and hank attributes it to his cockiness he, he used he used to showboat after he'd score all these touchdowns and stuff like that and that that's what he blamed it on but that's something we'll talk about in a couple seasons yeah showboating's not allowed it's 15 yard penalty <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully your high school career doesn't end you in a ladies' washroom at a sizzler trying to uh, have a movement because uh, I love it when uh, they are there and Bill. So Hank goes, <clears throat> Peggy asks him where he's going. 
going to the bathroom. Well, he says so short and quick. That reminds me of Nathan. That it's so. F- I love that. Just the submissive hang. Just like don't stop following me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like not even just Isn't like. Isn't he sitting there with a broken heart and like a plate of salad while everyone yeah. just like wolves back like ribs and steak and chicken and stuff? Well, no, he's explaining salad. <laughs> no, no. See, what I'm saying is salad don't always have to have salad in it. See, there's potato salad. <laughs> and, uh, potato salad's all he can come up with. Like, he pretends to get interrupted, but it's like, you know, he pauses. Like, that's all you got. He's just waiting for someone to be like, shut up, Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Macaroni <Nobody> salad. <laughs> What's that salad with marshmallows in it? Ambrosia salad. Ambrosia. Yeah. Made that mistake that, once. That's, so that's Bill's go-to, man. <laughs> But uh, obviously Hank still can't poop, so it kind of leads us into Peggy controlling Hank's entire life. And then there's this one scene where they're back at home, and uh, Hank's pooping, and we can hear outside from the window the uh, the gang coming up, just like you would when you were, you know, eight, nine, like, hey, can... Can Miles come out and ride bikes like Dale's? Hi there, Peggy. We were wondering if Hank could come out and help us with my fence. I love it. Then later, you just, he looks out the window and sees the guys with a big drill, just drilling a hole. Yeah, a big auger. Yeah, and they're just. Is that what it's called? It's an auger, yeah. And in, in Hank's mind. That is the funnest the thing his fun, friends yeah. can be doing without him is doing a new fence. He's project. like he hates that he can't and be you, there to and, dig a fence. Yeah, and you know Dale's fence was maybe two years old. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just doing it for fucking. All it needed was a new coat of paint. Like, oh it yeah, it's so good. And just like it is, just like watching outside while your friends play kickball. And I'm pretty sure that this song here is the one that Skunk was majorly involved with. Well, yeah, he did. Three, it's, a, it's a sad one. He did three episodes. So he did. He wrote the music for this episode, Square Peg, and uh, Peggy the Buggle Champ. And while he's like looking longingly onto Rainy Street, this is where I kind of felt that it really bridged us into like the end of the third act with this song. <laughs> doesn't that steel? Doesn't that slide? It. It's beautiful music. Like, this is nowhere to buy the shit I listen to. I love it. Like, most of my day. Uh, speaking of which, every... I've been listening to a lot of Willie Nelson. Oh, I've been listening to Shotgun Willie, like, every day since we did. Every, every, anytime every we go, since I mean, we did we've gone fishing a lot since then. Yeah. And every time, that's, that's the album that I put on. Yeah, everybody knows country music's not Nashville. Miles, you know I hate country music. Anyways, back to the episode. (laughs) Hank's been doing some thinking, and he gets off the toilet because he misses his friends, and he comes out to give Peggy his kind of final speech. And uh, he basically says that he doesn't want to live the life that Peggy wants for him, and Peggy understands. It looked like Peggy sat back and realized that this is the man that I fell in love with. And I'm going to let him be that man, whether it kills him or not, because he's too proud and nobody wants to be around Hank Hill who's not Hank Hill. Exactly, because when she's talking to, I think it's not Luann, she's talking to Dale's Nancy. Nancy. And she's talking about how, like, oh, if, like, that's all me. If Hank was out doing his thing with his boys, like, fixing the fence and drinking that. beer, yelling at the TV, about Gatorade, <laughs> uh, 
then and she like you can notice the the turn in her voice and how she realizes like she's being manipulative and like babying him too much and and making him do what she wants him to do because she wants him to live um she realizes she was wrong hank realizes that this is not him and then so it brings us to the climax resolution day well yeah hank comes hank comes out with his triumphant speech and then peggy uh Tells him basically everything you just said, and during that scene, they both kind of start to like break break up, like start to cry and yeah. tear up, and and it's it's a really really nice scene, and I I kind of like found myself, I kind of really liked Peggy a lot more, um, just in this scene, like I thought that she she was relatable, like mm-hmm. she was a person, she wasn't just like a stereotype of. A certain type of person, she actually became like a real loving character. Totally. And I really think that it was, um, I think it took them this long to sort of find that balance with Peggy. And granted, this is one of the episodes that kind of goes over the top for Peggy's like neediness. Yeah, yeah. But it also uh, explains it and kind of gives it that ground because. Up till now, there's not a whole lot of, like, mm-hmm. her and Hank kind of... It's because you get to see her, like, thought process, right? And then you kind of realize, like, oh, she likes Hank for the same reasons. I like Hank. And, like, I totally get that. And, like, I'm happy she realizes it. I think she reminded me more of my mother in this episode than any other. Um, what I took, in a good way. Yeah. And, like, what I took away from the final scenes is that Peggy realized, yeah, maybe Hank is uh, stubborn to everything that she's suggesting, but, like, he, he wants to be better. He doesn't want to be like this. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to have to have surgery. He wants to hang with his friends and his family, and I think that's what big thing that clued in with Peggy, that maybe Hank doesn't express it that way, but there's no way he wants to be sick. He wants to be healthy again. Yeah, no doubt. It shows that he's trying, too. It shows that they actually do have, like, an effective relationship, right? And that's something to be admired, and, and I, does, I do think that that invokes a little bit of compassion for Peggy, even though I'm going to talk so much shit about her next episode anyways. <laughs> I like her a little bit more. You're right. And then, so, of course, Hank has a moment that he cannot... He can no longer share with Peggy. It's when he's crying and they're hugging, right? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden. And he's like, like, uh, get away from me. She says, I wish this could last forever. He's like, me too, but it can't. Yeah. (laughs) And then Beethoven plays as he has his movement. He comes out, celebrates with the family, and we fade to credits. Where we get a very fun uh, ride-up mower visit from Hank. And he breaks the fourth wall and tells us all about, well, do you have the clip? Yeah, I got some. Let's play it. If any of you were offended by my body, I'm truly sorry. Good night. I really like this episode. I, um, I'll give my two bits on this episode here while we're talking about it, and I didn't think I was going to. I thought it was going to be a bottom-of-the-barrel uh, episode for season one for me. I didn't. It didn't make sense to me looking at it that they put this episode before the introduction of a couple key characters that we meet in the next few episodes. But watching it and really diagnosing it, talking about it with you guys, and yeah, it is a. It's. It doesn't stand out with me in the entire King of the Hill series, but to me, it's a true King of the Hill episode that no other show could do. Only King of the Hill could, and that's why I, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I 
picked the like I watched the wrong episode last episode. I accidentally watched this one, and the first time through, I was like underwhelmed. I was like, "Oh, this one isn't like that funny." Like, yeah, it's got some moments. Like, I really didn't like enjoy it that much. And then this week when I watched it, I I looked through it again kind of more analytically and uh, i enjoyed it but then actually sitting here and like hearing the opinions of you guys talking about the actual creators and like the work that goes into it and then like kind of being like seeing the realization of how beautifully this episode's done like i think that like i like this episode a lot more after talking about it too like it's solid episode yeah i think this is this is easily so i think oh man that's that's hard to say maybe i think besides the Order of the Straight Arrow, this might be my favorite so far. Fair enough. I mean... I, I really like it. I think this this episode especially gives us a really good uh, introduction to... So, sorry, not introduction. This episode gives us a really good base to introduce Cotton. I think anytime Cotton comes into this show, Rainy Street kind of goes up in arms. Like, everybody goes a different way. And you kind of have to have that base, and I think th- I think every episode leading up to this one has offered a bit more and a bit more. No doubt. And then this one really cements the family dynamic mm-hmm. of the Hill residents. They're the mo- mostly the characters. There's not really even mu- there's no subplot in this at all. I like what you're saying, Denim, and this is something that I never thought about before because the next episode is we meet. We meet Cotton, and yeah. Cotton and Peggy hate each other. So this episode was probably to solidify Hank and Peggy's, like, eternal, you know, love and affection for each other that, like, no matter, how, you know, Cotton being Hank's father, but no matter what he can do, it's always Hank and Peggy. Exactly. So, so thank you for saying that. It gives a little <laughs> bit more light for me, at least looking back on this episode. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I like the way you put that because it's like, okay, as a viewer, it's like, if you're watching sequentially, then you're like, okay, I'm on Peggy's side because you're prepping for the bad guy to come fight Peggy, and you want, and they're like, kind of, like directing you in a way to feel for Peggy because Cotton is the worst. We will meet Cotton next episode. <laughs> I mean, the worst that for some, is... the best for we've, others. We've only had, yeah, we've only had flashbacks to this point. So, our uh, three quarters of our clubhouse today. I guess I'll pass it over to Troop Leader Dustin. And we will, I'll talk to you guys when we meet Con. All right, yeah, this adjourns our uh, seventh meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Can I get a round table, Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! Yeah. Yeah. Crank it. Exit on the Beethoven. Exit on the beef oven. Conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram 
at Utsakothpod. Or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.